Okay, everybody, let's get an ah uh, if you're scared. Bruce. Uh, Red Devil. Uh, Falsetto. Uh, Their calves burning like the pee out of an old man's urethra. <laughs> she loved that one. Uh, she fucking it. loved it. She loved it. Welcome, audience, you ghoulish gals and depraved dudes, you sinister sisters and bestial brothers. Welcome to this Kimohawk Sessions shop of sinister splendors. Here, your senses we scare through oral nightmare. This is your fourth dose, your quadruplet of queer melodies and blood wet quartet portion of a Halloween horror short story segment so special. You'll greet horrors as you sleep, feel scratches, skin deep, see blood when you weep, and hollow promises of your safety just won't keep. Today, audience, we spin the fourth yarn with vocally woven technique. Your attention, it will peak and will hold said attention, forcing your fear glands to sweat and of terror reek. Today, as they further their unblessed quest, both boys will separate, and at least one will consume and be consumed by a dark fucking fate. Lock your doors, melt some s'mores, appease dark gods with a blood sacrifice from sinful whores, and settle in to feeling unsettled. Falsetto Prophet presents The Basement Party, Part 4. Is that tea for me? Falsetto and Bam Bam Camp. Main characters Hunter, Hawk, Cavalier, Lewd, and Loyal. Picky with friends, a practical joker when opportunity permits. Able to dive into a cause he deems worthy. And would be an alcoholic if not for the fact that he is Irish. Small family, only child. Identifiable features Faux Hawk, Wicked Joker, Half Smile Scar on back of torso. Bruce. Sawdecker. Tough as nails in the life of the party. Down for anything? Easy going until he hulks out in the occasional rage. Nothing scares this man. Not since that vague incident in his youth. Dry sense of humor, which can turn more damp with alcohol. He has a medium family with siblings. Identifiable features. A shitload of tattoos and a black Viking beard. Guest character. Scarlet Devlin. Narrator. Also reading for Polish. Both loud and proud, but with an underlying shyness, she is the queen, duchess, and baroness of sarcasm. Identifiable features. Her hair follicles are redder than a messy crime scene. No matter how many sweets she eats, she only grows vertically. Dialogue begins. Bruce, Bruce, are you still with us? Jesus fucking weeping mama Christ, get up, man. I can't see shit, as this air is darker than a coal miner's once whitey, still tidy underwear. Get up and let me know you are all right. Bruce, 
Bruce. I'm still here, you fucking leprechaun. Damn, that was close. Too close. Hunter helped up his fallen macaroni and cheese, who smelled like cheese, as he was sweating so goddamn much. Bruce had slung his draped leg over to the green belt side of the flimsy, dilapidated fence. The shooter, either remarkably emotionally detached from their violent encounter, or who felt that this was truly a modern version of justice in the wild fucking West, and he'd just executed the Lord's work, had gone back inside to resume working on his memoirs. Both upright and fully functional, the boys resumed their perilous journey back to the complex, back to Joff, and back to something that had better goddamn satisfy their rampant curiosities. Now cranked well into overdrive, Bruce's phone remained behind, in that dark graveyard of danger. So too, it seemed that whoever had been shadowing them got lost or lost interest in following their movements. Perhaps they were as averse to gunfire as they were to the harmless social dynamic of simply walking up to a stranger and introducing yourself. Oh, good thing that asshole's aim was as fucked as his accent. Man, he missed. But I could hear the crack of the projectile, and I am as sure now as I was in high school that Veronica Sawyer was shacking up with her cousin that those shots hit some pickets, not a meatball sub-length away from my shoulder. I was trying to pull your ass over, man. But those pickets were sharper than the wit of your sister, and I did not want to spear you on the fucking things. <laughs> All good in the suburban hood, my home slice. We are mere moments away from Joff's unit. Now, you know he is a total paranoid psycho, so I will prepare you now for the fact that much like the level of high-tech security in that government building in True Lies, he has rigged his ring security camera to record 24 hours a day in real time. Oh, and shows a digital visual of your body heat. Predator style. What the shit? Why the hell would he want to spend the money, time, and energy on accomplishing that? For the same reason any obsessed, clever, technocentric fuck does, Hunter. Because he can. It is my unhumble opinion that Joff is always there and he is always watching. So unless he is in a pot smoke stupor, I can get him to investigate further and spill all that he has heard about this underground, underworld, debasement party shit. If my wife is a spectator in the social media frenzy, talking about crescent moons, penetrating knives, pagan pattern teacups, wannabe vampires, and forcing you to smile while they carve that smile into you that offers you new life, everlasting life at that, then Joff is the spectacle in the arena. My wife may be an occasional visitor in this shit, but Joff lives there. He will have answers. And I don't know how the fuck this will all come together, but we will not leave his place until he is able to mention the unmentionable and translate things in a way that helps me understand how the fuck these cultists found out about my youthful fucking trauma. I mean, they either tortured it out of my loyal ass sister, or they hypnotized my country-born ass, extracted the details from me, and then forced me to forget the hijacked transference of personal data, just like in that Leo flick, Inception. Oh, okay, bro. First, your movie references are fucking on point, but I'm still reeling over that shit. The diddler? The peephole? What the hell, Bruce boy? That was years ago and took place over a thousand miles away, but somehow it found a way to re-emerge, like a tenacious goddamn rash. I still can't believe you experienced such a shock at such a young age, but here I am speaking to shock. Bro, we were just fucking shot at. How are there not a sea of blue lights swooping down on the neighborhood like sharks circling a wounded whale? Hello, bro. 
This is Texas. We never need special occasion to pop off a few rounds in some areas. Well, maybe only on Cinco de Mayo. But here? Shit. On nights when there is no gunfire, I wake up in the middle of the night wondering if I've been abducted on an alien spaceship devoid of all firearms. We love guns. Oh, uh, yeah, that's his building. Third floor, corner unit. Let's go, bro. They were no longer sloshed, tipsy, or even tired. They had sufficiently sweat out anything even resembling an alcoholic toxin and replaced it with fresh adrenaline, which, potent as it was, was dissipating and slowly making way for a new kind of chemical. Endorphins. That rush that washes over you when you feel you are close to achieving the next challenge in a series of obstacles. Their curiosity was rich in their blood, and they were banking on the focused, albeit flimsy, fact that Joff would A, know all, and B, part with all that he knew. Up the stairs, they ascended, in fine uniform fashion, one flight, then another, their calves burning like the pee out of an old man's urethra. You doing okay? Six feet, bro. Between your utility pole confession and Cletus, the trigger-happy Texan, you must be in a state of fucking adult chaos. Man, like you, I just want answers. I want the last hour and years before that to make something resembling sense. I have been thinking lately, especially lately, as we walk up these stairs, and as I ponder on Joff's life or lack thereof, the dude is obsessed with so many things, and few of them are even real. He sees more shadows lurking behind corners than actual people. He spends more time staring at screens, monitors, tablets, and security footage than actual fucking factual events transpiring in real time. I've been spending too much time at work, and I think I've been taking shit too seriously. Who knows, man? I'm still kind of fucked up on all that has befallen us since sundown. Now, I admit I'm a tad rattled by that uncalled for gunfire and that fucked up shit on that utility pole, not to mention this looming cult activity, but I remain unscared. I was not scared at the log cabin, and I ain't scared now. Well, shit, man, you are one tough son of a bitch. The night does shit to us, man. It generates games and teases tricks. They call it the witching hour, and if you let it, it can be your undoing, unstitching fucking hour. We are going to stay the course, knock on this fucking door, and what do we do, Bruce? Your most favorite goddamn three-letter expression. More so than even I love you. Go fuck yourself and be right back. Keep moving forward. You are goddamn right. Now knock on this fool's door and maybe we can learn the score. Nah, man, we don't have to. He's likely staring at us through the ring lens right now. And he better not be playing with his goddamn joystick while watching. <laughs> if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I see. Well, this dude is your broski, man. So you would know. Both guys look right into the center of the ring, positioned in the corner of the doorframe. They started with simple pleasantries, such as hello, what gives, and let us in, to a more demanding litany of expressions. If you do not open this door right the fuck now, we will fuck start your head. Open fucking sesame, you goddamn bastard fuck child. Ugh. Hunter, this ain't working, man. I have been here 50 times, and he has always unlocked the door within 15 seconds. Due to the placement of a surveillance, he knows when people are at the landing of the top of the stairwell, for shit's sake. What gives? Hell if I know, bro. You got some way to reach him for emergencies? Which this, no doubt, goddamn qualifies? No, man. He is radio silent on that flip phone cell. But you know what? I think I know a way we can keep moving forward, though. Bruce then pulled out his wallet 
Flip passed all the laminated pictures of his dogs, wife, and his truck version of the Batmobile, pulled out two slim pieces of metal about the size and configuration of a manipulated wire filament or paperclip. He immediately slid one into the plug of the lock towards the top. At a downward angle, slid the other. What the fuck balls are you doing? Did you not learn anything from earlier when we were playing hopscotch shoot over them fences? And when the fuck did you learn to pick that shit? One of your many Boy Scout lessons alongside undressing the X-Men character Storm with your eyes and looking appetizing to the fucking diddler? Hunter, if Joff ain't answering, that means he's either deathly sick, dead, or a stubborn ghost of his former self as he is elsewhere. As for the picking skills, in the words of Joshua Jackson in the film The Skulls, the skills of a misspent youth. Yeah, like when you were climbing under the bed or locking yourself in the closet from key jangling wolfman mask wearing diddler. Bro, I told you that shit in confidence. Your jokes are inappropriate as shit. And I sadly admit funny as fuck. Okay, I think I almost got it. Just about. Boom. Done and done, motherfucker. Who's the man? Tell you what, dog. I will shout from the goddamn rooftops and patio bars how much of the man you are. Once we confirm, this is not a total waste of our fucking time. They walked inside this ridiculously cluttered pad, rife with cables, boxes, incomplete projects, and half-eaten oriental boxes of what used to be low main. How low can low main go, more like? The place reeked of something in the valley between wilting beets and ganja residue. There were about four computer monitors in two different sections of the living room. One showed the security camera angle, and others were clearly in the middle of downloading data and redirecting the true digits of his actual IP address. Conservatively, about 65% of what they were seeing was somewhere between violation of the cyber honor code and punishable in a federal clink. A lit blunt was down to its final fuck you glow before natural extinguishment and Joff was animating option three, previously laid out in Bruce's trinity of possibilities. Elsewhere. I don't like this one bit, man. He obviously started a Mary Jane stick and did not even stay around to finish the goddamn thing. Look over there, his cell phone. You know, the cell phone he only flips open if a very specific call is incoming. If that is here, and Joff is elsewhere, we have no way of knowing where the fuck he is nor how to reach him, even if that was an option. What the hell do we do now? Man, it is dark. We are beat down like an Alabama dog with ticks. Our adrenaline is long since shot, and the contact high we could have extracted from answers is not to be, as your call of booty buddy has vanished like my sense of security. I say you go home and dig into what your wife knows. Maybe she can provide enough information, at least, until daylight breaks through tomorrow. Okay. All right, you drunken Irish degenerate. It is a fair plan. Let's lock and close the store, and I will go check in with Mrs. Polish. Don't go easy on her, you redneck check. I don't give a shit on a stick how tired she may be. I think you should really drill her for answers. There has been too much fucking craziness to lose momentum now. We were shot at, fool. Shot at! And you better keep that part out of this shit. Don't need her ass freaking out like a fish flopping on the dock with the wrong sized hook in its mouth. Worry not. I will get answers. What are you gonna do? 
what do you think I'm going to do? I am going to search every goddamn chat room, affiliated link, linked posts, and every digital scrap of the basement party chatter I can think to sift through. I will hit you on the walkie if I find anything promising. The walkie, Hunter referenced, was part of a set of walkie-talkies they once purchased together and kept charge on their nightstand. Serving as a complementary string of fixed vegetable cans between these inseparable non-biological bros, allowing for the passing of any lightning-quick observations they felt like imparting to one another at a moment's notice. Always charged, always ready for them to swap errant midnight bullshit, or to broadcast a critical message. As Bruce's phone was misplaced within the confines of the bullet-ridden backyard, this would be their sole lifeline for a while. Bruce was now standing in the hallway, removing both shoes, stipulating to his wife's firm position on that matter. She mimicked the tenets of a distant culture across the Pacific. Removal of shoes as you enter the hearth. She drove a Jap car, often in a state of Buddhist-like Zen, transfixed, practically comatose at times, when she was not seasoning vegetables for hours, brewing fungi tea, and surfing social media. She was in the kitchen, moving back and forth between counters, organizing a shit ton of vegan meals for both herself and some recent converts who joined her vegan flock. Bruce neglected to mention the evening's activities and, as far as she seemed to know, his walk with Hunter was uneventful. He started in immediately, but with a slow pace and in unalarming tones, asking what she remembered seeing online about the basement party. He asked her about what he knew she had already seen and conversely, some freshly realized details. So do you think this basement party is an actual party of blood slurping immortals? Or do you subscribe to the theory that it's a state of mind? That once you have tumbled down into basement, you find your pure self? She seemed distracted and unaffected by his line of questions. She elaborated not once, but simply rehashed observations she had spoken on sporadically over the last few weeks. He tried his best to remember what he saw, just as it was written on the bizarre fucking flyer an hour ago. Granted, much had transpired in the interim. Hey, Polish, have you ever seen or heard of a phrase go something like this under in the no under 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 nightlight cover of the next crescent find the basement party the, the basement party a familiar will mark you usher you inside only if face is pure teeth revealed immortality sealed in lower dark room a smile carved into your face you can never erase something like that have you heard or heard of that shit for the first time since he had entered the vestibule near the kitchen, she looked up and met his eyes with her own. Her hands stopped shuffling various vegetables, but only for a moment. After a two-second pause of speechless but telling body language, she resumed her squash, zucchini, succotash sorting. She scoffed, which seamlessly turned to a snicker, and said in her disinterested voice, Oh, Bruce, baby. What the hell are you saying? I have heard all sorts of things, but what you just said sounds foreign to me. Okay. Well, I'm sorry for bringing it up. I'm going to set my eyes down for a few ticks. My legs are beat, and younger, I am not growing. He shuffled over to the chair in the corner, 
a familiar groove he had spent the last three years working into the seat. His fucking chair. The king's throne, as it were. A smell began wafting, as so many times before, into the sacred space of Bruce's nostrils. He knew that smell. Hey, Polish, is that what I think it is? Her back was to him now, and she seemed a great distance away in the chair, as the chair in the corner was opposite the corner of the kitchen. You know it is, she replied faintly. While he gathered his jumbled thoughts, ranging from the last few hours to 20 years ago, and all the blank spaces in between, he briefly closed his eyes, as though preemptively sidestepping a looming headache. With his eyes closed, he heard the distinguishable sound of ceramic plopping on the glass side table, not as much a triggering sound as, say, hearing a beer tap pop or a rifle round getting bolt action racked, but identifiable all the same. His peepers reopened and he looked to his right, saw a decorative teacup, still with steam serving as a halo above the surface, and a mushroom stem poking out like a wide, ugly straw. Polish was already halfway back to the kitchen when he found the voice to ask, Is that tea for me? She simply smiled and continued onward towards her kitchen mission. I can think of a potent fluid I need desperately at the moment after the day I've had, but your wilting fungi tea ain't it. This naturally sparked a tiff where Polish reminded Bruce of how supportive she was from the trying move from the country to this metroplex, and how he has never given this hot mush juice a chance. Maybe he was too tired to incite a riot, so instead he relented and began sipping the brown mixture never, ever to be confused with sweet brown sugar water. As he sat and sipped, he did not even realize that the kitchen had grown hushed and sterile, all the Tupperware containers now full, sealed, stacked, and ready for distribution. Polish had retired to her crafting room, his capitulation of this mushroom tea, the only forward progress as both Joff and now his own wife were failing to provide anything even remotely in league with a satisfying, illuminating clue or revelation on these sinister affairs. He walked over to the communal computer workstation in the hallway, bringing his mushroom-laden elixir with him. He connected to their Wi-Fi and logged in, without incident. Normally, their internet was lightning, but now, now that he desperately needed to know what unfolded on that snail-speed-loading page, he had partially seen so many times before, but without actually seeing, this drag of a pace was going to tease, taunt, and torture him like a vicious growing cub, as cute, and unassuming as it is a stone predator slapping around its mortally wounded rabbit for stimulation, serving the dual purpose of frivolity and instinctual sharpening of its skill set. In that moment, the page failed to load and the upwards pointing internet status icon, always in the direction of south to due north, or more accurately, from the terrestrial earth rock up into the vast unknown nothingness of space, lost its color, and so he rebooted the fucking computer. Why? Tell me why the fuck did Polish have to buy an apple? An apple a day may keep the PhD quack away, but this model is notoriously slow and always late to the fucking fray. 
This would take about 90 seconds to be internet search ready again. In anxious, tick style, he thumped his leg and took another swig from the teacup filled with this putrid organism. The things we do for marriage. Happy wife, lasting life. Ain't that what they fucking say? He wished to himself how great, how happy, and lasting his life would be if she had poured some blind squirrel peanut butter whiskey into his handsome teacup. His wife never would remember to drop in the secret ingredient, chopped pecans, into the PB liquor mixture, adding a tinge of smokiness, and giving Bruce something to chew on and suck up the well-soaked pecans, now rich in peanut butter notes. In addition to his massive Viking-esque beard, those pecans, sorely lacking in this concoction, usually provided his second flavor-saver delivery method. Damn it. Why couldn't she have just poured me blind squirrel? Tonight, of all nights. Ugh. This tea tastes funny, come to think of it. Beyond the ridiculousness of slurping on mushroom brine, while the warm elixir washed over his palate and worked in tandem with gravity to work through his central nervous system. Why did she serve me tea in a fucking teacup? Do I look like Alice in some goddamn wonderland? More like wonder the fuck why land, after all the crazy shit I've seen today. The computer had finally booted back up and was on the main browser login page. He entered the communal credentials and the computer timidly approached a lightning bolt pace once again. He clicked on her portfolio page, where all of her digital clippings were housed, oddities she found entertaining and that had taken recent social media by storm. As he waited for the last several images in recent search captures to load, he admired the intricate engraving and attractive pattern on the teacup. He smirked. His wife always had an eye for fancy dining wear. Why have I never seen this? In addition to the mushroom mush tasting like rat urine, it also seemed to be wandering corridors and lock-picking rooms in the library of his fucking brain. His head was slightly spinning, and he had not felt this hot in the face since Candace Metters, arguably the hottest firecracker in middle school, tripped and landed on his lap in the eighth grade, briefly sitting there, both of them surprised. Her disoriented from the stumble, him, speechless at said cracking fire femme fatale sitting there, longest two seconds of his youth. As he rotated the teacup, admiring the pattern, the colors, the particulars, he noticed something inexplicable, a nighttime landscape, a few stars in the sky just below the rim of the cup, and a clear crescent moon hovering betwixt the stars. Below that, closer to the handle, sat a fucking old-school hourglass, what was once called a sand timer, upside down, with but a scintilla of sand left in the top bobble portion. According to this hourglass, time was almost up. He turned the bug around, his thumb-pointer-finger combo twisting to achieve this. A quote, a terribly coincidental quote, marked the other side in old Gothic font. Be the life. What the fuck? Bruce whispered somberly to himself, barely audible. No fucking way. He dropped the teacup due to this shocking realization, and as he was beginning to lose his secure grip in dexterous strength, his grip on reality, 
He instinctually pulled out the wastebasket to toss in the shards of broken ceramic, but something at the top of the pile of day-old refuse caught his tired eyes. A scrunched-up pile of bandages, soaked through with blood. The ripe red color suggesting it had been tossed in less than an hour ago. His wife, the only other occupant in their apartment, and an avid veggie slicer, likely cut her palm. Innocent enough, but while he was processing the distinctly disconcerting teacup images, while still clutching his blood-soaked bandage, the last photo downloaded finally filled the computer screen. In that moment, while his observation skills and fight-or-flight adrenaline-fueled survival instincts were cranked up to fucking maximum, three slowly fleeting thoughts rolled over Bruce's brain like a slow roll boil to heat up a fitness freak's fucking quinoa just before he lost time. One, those teacup symbols were on the fucking flyer. Two, his trusted, beloved wife brewed him this strange, sour-tasting tea. And three, the blood found on the flyer and utility poles was consistent with a leaking palm gash. He made one attempt in vain to rise to his feet, but only made one knee just long enough to reach the walkie-talkie. He clicked on the receiver, but there was no feedback. He looked at the wall and noticed it had been unplugged, completely dead. On the screen, the original search for the basement party linked to a defunct page for dark basement photography. Located in the industrial district downtown, an area few travel and never stay long when they do. The most recent photo revealed blue neon sign for dark basement photography, but with the sultry bulbs burned out or otherwise broken, it showed the following. Da bas meant P.T. Ray. This, this ain't fucking okay. He struggled to whisper as this fleeting realization washed over his lingering consciousness. The prior reference to Alice in Wonderland was terrifyingly apt. He remembered one line from Alice. No, I'll look first and see whether it's marked poison or not. A familiar figure entered the room just as he blacked the fuck out. You? You're a part of this sick shit? His eyes slowly rolled towards the center of his skull, and he fell hard, making an unmistakable thud on the area rug of the room. Music builds. Part four. Is that tea for me? Concluded. Tune in soon, audience, for The Basement Party. Part five. Dark Basement Photography. This is Falsetto Prophet playing Terrified Hunter Hawk. This is Wham Cam playing Petrified Bruce Sawdecker. And this is Red Devil playing the necromancer narrator and speaking for Polish, Bruce's wife. <laughs> <laughs>